Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we are up to Book One Water, Chapter 12, The Storm. Uh, as we said at the end of last episode, this is cleansing the palate from uh, from the Great Divide. So let's jump right yeah, into this one. So this one's a great episode. It is loaded with stuff. Yeah. So we start out... Um, we mentioned this in the last episode. Start out with a dream. Um, Aang is flying on Appa, and I don't know that we know it's a dream right away. But it um, seems it, it seems dreamlike. They do those like dreamlike sequences, so you kind of have a guess. And um, Appa's flying, and then all of a sudden we see Sokka flying next to them, and he's using the glider. So now we're like, okay, this is definitely a dream, right? Because Sokka is not an airbender. Like the glider <laughs> isn't just like a thing anyone can grab, right? And, and so Sokka and Aang like exchange these cheesy, huge smiles. Like you never see these characters smile that big. Um, and there's like peaceful music playing over it. And um, Aang then looks over and he sees what's like an Appa-sized Momo flying, mm-hmm. and um, Katara's riding on Momo. I definitely paused and did like a double take on this. It- to be like I'm, I'm seeing that right that she's flying momo <laughs> yep she's steering uh as momo's flying and uh katara looks over and, and she goes like oh we need you ang and ang's like i need you too right so it's oh it's peaceful happy it's not so like far. a desperate we need you it's, yeah. yeah it's like uh yeah it's like you're part of the family kind of we need you yeah right and, and that tone changes really quick and we see storm clouds start to roll in and ang's face turns from that big cheesy grin to a panic and uh, all of a sudden, the rest of the gang disappears. Like, he looks around him and no one's there. It's just him on Appa. In the darkness now. Right. It, yep. Uh, the clouds are rolling in. And uh, someone does appear, and it's Gyatso, uh, whose spirit floats kind of in front of Aang and asks him, why did you disappear? So he's being confronted with this the former, um, like, his best friend, basically. His, yeah, from his, his mentor, yeah. Yeah, from his former life. Um, accusing him, why did you disappear? And Aang said, I didn't mean to. And Aang tries to reach out and, and touch Gyatso, uh, but Gyatso disappears. And as he goes, he says, we need you, Aang. And he disappears. Uh, it's like he turns into dust and blows away. It's very much like a Avengers Infinity War, which this came first. Oh. But he's like, it's like, he's like, he touches, as he touches him, it's like he turns to dust and blows away. There you go. I've never seen it. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I just spoiled Avengers Infinity War for you. Well, I've seen one Avengers movie. Okay. How many yeah. are there? Like seven? 22 or oh, something? Wait, no. In the MCU, yeah. There's like 22. Uh, I will never catch up. So uh, no worries about spoiling. I'm happy to know it. Uh, so Aang and Appa uh, keep flying, though. They fly into the storm and lightning strikes. And we see Appa and Aang fall into the ocean and they sink, and Aang hears over and over again a chorus of people saying, we need you, Aang, this time in desperation. And what's interesting is we've seen this before. Right. I think it was episode two. Yeah, it's really early on. He has that flashback of the yep. storm. And you and I were questioning, like, where does the storm come from? What is this about? Is there something else yeah. behind it? Um, so the fact that this the episode opens with this and it's called the storm, it's like I am I was already so excited yeah. at this point. Get me out of the great divide. So um Aang then he's startled awake from his dream and Momo's sleeping on top of him and like gets disturbed and jumps on the rest of the gang and they all wake up. Um and Aang apologizes to them and he's he's like, Please just, you know, go back to sleep. I just I had a really bad dream. And Katara looks concerned. 
And she was like, you, you've really been having a lot of nightmares lately. Do you want to talk about it? And Aang dodges the question. And I think that is because the dream also included the Great Divide. <laughs> He's like, I just, I don't even yes. want to get into it. <laughs> He's like, it's going to take too long. There's multiple stories within stories. I'm a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't look great. Yeah. Okay, so he dodges the question. They kind of fall back asleep. Aang, we assume, probably didn't. And the next morning, the gang is seen cleaning up the camp. And they're kind of staying, like, along this ocean. Okay. Now, I... I know we've brought up the Great Divide a lot, but I do want to bring it up here because they seemed nowhere near an ocean. Right. At the end of that. So but now it does it this episode really does feel like they're they're on a they've reached the shore. Right. So again, it's making the case that that episode really just feels like they plopped it in there. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Or 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 something some major stuff happened or maybe just boring stuff happened as they got to this point. You know, they're, maybe they fast forwarded a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to know how much time has jumped between episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. Is the end of episode nine a dream? Because maybe if we start and end with a dream. It oh, is you interesting. Know? That's very interesting. Let's go back and check. So, um, Aang, sa- uh, Aang says to Appa, he's like petting him, stroking him. There's clear skies today. Like, it's going to be smooth sailing. So, clearly, he's still in that mindset of the dream, the nightmare last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, Katara goes, well, we better uh, smoothly fly ourselves to market because we don't have any food. And at this, Sokka's ears perk up, not only because we know that he has a bottomless stomach, but also because he had a dream last night. Um, And he was like, don't go to the, we can't go to the market. And they're like, well, why not? And he's like, because food is going to eat us. And they're like, all right, um, cool. All right, I'm glad we're taking things seriously. Yep, yep. Um, And he was like, also, Momo could talk. And Momo said some very unkind things. That's a super funny line. Which, uh, yeah. I'm so glad to have funny Avatar back. I know, me too. It was funny. The delivery was perfect. Now, I will say one of the things that I, that I like about this show and this episode gets into this just a little bit is... I like that they have to deal with practical things, that they matter, that it's yeah. like, where what are we going to eat? What are, Where are we going to get supplies? Like, we actually know where they're getting supplies or where they've they've gotten supplies before. We know that Boomy gave them money. They got supplies um, mm-hmm. uh, on the winter solstice. They got supplies, right? So, so those things matter because this avoids what I call the Harry Potter Gringotts problem. Where, like, you find out right away Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. is, like, the richest person in the world. And it's like, okay, well, we're never going to have to deal with that. And then you wonder why does he not employ that wealth? Exactly. Right. So so here, like, like it's a kind of interesting. Their resources are low. Mm-hmm. Um, they're poor. They're children. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, Aang, Aang has this worldwide fame, but even that's a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. It helps them sometimes to procure supplies, but sometimes there's this matter of, Okay, we need this. So, so yeah. how many episodes start with them gathering supplies, gathering food? I really like that. Yeah. Oh, me too. And that you know, like it could be so easy to look at Appa and be like, oh, he's an out of everything. Well, not really, because they still have all these other obstacles that they deal with every day. And my boy Appa's got to eat. Too. I know. Like I, it's he like, has five stomachs. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, this episode splits a lot between what's happening with the Aang gang and then what's happening with Zuko on his ship. So he has a ship again. I think where we left him off, he doesn't, right? Well, I think the ship that got destroyed was, remember how in um, Winter Solstice Part 2, 
they he has that smaller ship that comes out of the back of his. I think uh, that's the because because it was on the river, so I don't think true. they could take that big battleship on the river. Okay, that's smart. I was like, is this a consistency thing? But yeah, no. Okay, awesome. Um, so I, th- I thought a lot about that. Yeah, too. good. I'm glad because I was also I just I just wrote it off as there was a mistake. But so they're on the Fire Nation ship. Um, his original ship. And when we see Iroh on the deck and he starts sniffing and it's like, all right, Iroh, what are you doing? But he's sniffing because he senses this big storm coming from the north. And he suggests to Zuko that they divert from their original plan, that they travel southwest. Now, what's interesting is Iroh always leads them correctly. I know. She's just be like, go with Iroh's gut, right? Yeah. But uh, Zuko looks around and he's like, it's a clear sky. You're out of your mind, uncle. And he wants to catch the Avatar, and that means traveling north. So he's like, nope, we're staying on our path. Which is also smart, because it's because the storm doesn't appear to be imminent at, right. at this they, point. There's no clouds in the sky. Yeah. 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 So, th- I mean, and this, this is a theme in this episode, the, like, intuition versus reason a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, Writing off intuition. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so Iroh's like, consider the safety of the crew, Zuko. And Zuko responds basically with, that doesn't matter. Like, what matters more is catching the Avatar. And during this time, there's, like, this crew member who we learn is the lieutenant, Mm -hmm. I believe. And he's standing behind him and he makes this face that's hilarious. But it's basically like, "Um, hello, like, I'm right here. I can hear you. Um, And he so Zuko, like, tries to explain himself. He's like, finding the Avatar is more important. Well, of course, it's more important for him. Right. Right, for his but honor. presumably these guys have been on this mission this whole time, too. That's true. So, like, they have to be pretty dedicated to at least loyalty, if not to this mission. But we're starting yeah. to – we start to see that crack a little bit in this, or at least some questions raised. But if you think about Zuko, like, he's had the Avatar in his grasp right. multiple times. So uh, there's got to be this fear that if, if he gets away from us too far, like – have we, have we already missed our opportunity? Right. True. True. Yes. And so um, so Zuko is like basically pushes ahead, right? And, and start to see the crew get a little, they turn against him a mm-hmm. little bit. And so now we flash over to Aang, the Aang gang. They're in the market. They're trying to find some food. And they're really unimpressed with the fruit options in this village. I was wondering, is the uh, is the... The ripe juices, is that a real thing for watermelons or is that a bad thing? I don't know. It seems bad, right? Yeah, it seems bad. Um, sh- yeah, Katar is like shaking the watermelon and it's making some suspect sounds. Um, and Sokka starts complaining about how they have no food and they have no money. And Katar is like, well, you could just get a job smart guy. And for me, I, when I saw this at first, I was like, oh, they don't really have time to just like work a job, right. but you're right. Like they, they logistically can't afford not to, mm-hmm. like they need to find these daily jobs here and there. And so as if on cue, the gang overhears this fight happening between an elderly couple. And this is again, that whole intuition versus reason coming out because we hear the wife beg her husband not to go fishing. She says like, there's a massive storm coming. It'll be dangerous. I'm not going with you. And, uh, at the word storm, Aang and Momo, they both like perk their ears up and their eyes go wide. Which is interesting that, I mean, Aang makes sense that Momo does. So we're back to Momo like being tapped into something bigger, right. bigger than a lemur. Yeah, because right, Momo wasn't there during the original storm. So like he doesn't have any 
understanding of it, mm-hmm. right? And he wasn't aware of the dream because he doesn't dream the same things anyway. Right. Does. But maybe like an emotional support animal, mm-hmm. they can like tune in to. Or maybe he's tuned into uh, Roku. Like this is still my thought, right? There's <laughs> yeah. still something here. <laughs> so the the old husband, this fisherman, mocks his wife and he says, quit your nagging woman, which is pleasant. I have to say, so, so uh, the old fisherman, I... <laughs> This ep- there, this series, there's constantly voices where I'm like, man, I there's yes. something that drew me to that guy's voice. So I did a little looking to see who that was. And very often I'll look and be like, I don't know who that is. But oh. this guy's actually somebody who I'm aware of. No way. Um, his name is Robert Pine. Okay. Um, now, the, fir- the first reference is one that's way before your time. But he played the, uh, the sergeant on the late 70s, early 80s TV show Chips. Oh nope! I, okay, no reference. California Highway Patrol, Ponch and John, not your, not your thing. This but, sounds good. Well, <laughs> but he also was in one episode of Parks and Rec, which happens <gasps> to be my favorite episode of Parks and no. Rec, called "The End of the World." He plays Herb, the reasonableist, like the leader of the of the uh, engage with Zorb. Yes, group. that's the fisherman. No way! Yeah, I love that. This episode's full of those great. Oh my gosh, I love. I love that. So, okay, now I, I can't really hate on this guy anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's he, Robert Pine. <laughs> he has some great lines coming up, too. So um, he's like, quit your nagging, woman. He says, like, it's your joints versus my brain, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, intuition versus logic versus reason. And it to me, it felt a little bit like that, uh, almost like a, a masculinity thing as oh, well. Absolutely, because yeah. you have, like, an older woman, and, and Iroh's an older gentleman, right? And to... And to it's interesting that like el- elderly people are saying this as well mm-hmm. right and like uh, you would think to look to them for wisdom and yet they're being their intuition is being knocked well it's interesting because last week we were talking about instincts and instincts and intuition aren't that far apart right so so this is this is maybe just a, a bigger theme to track throughout this show too yeah exactly um so ang overhears and he suggests that they find shelter from the storm and Sokka, just like the the husband, just like Zuko, dismisses his worry, looks at the sky. And Sokka even, or Sokka even runs over to the old man and is like, hey, your wife's not going to help you haul fish. I can do it. Like, will you pay me? Um, so he has a job. <laughs> uh, and then we, we switch back to the story of Zuko back on the ship. And the crew members start to confront Zuko as they see the storm rolling in. And they're like, your uncle was right. And Iroh in the background is like, oh, lucky guess. I'm like, all right, all right, Iroh. Um, so Zuko doesn't appreciate the crew coming up against him like this. And he says, Lieutenant, you'd better learn some respect or I'm going to teach it to you. And then the lieutenant responds with, you don't respect anyone on this ship. You don't care about anybody but yourself. And Iroh in the background is looking more and more frustrated and, and nervous. Mm-hmm. He has his hand to his face. He knows where this is going to go. And so Zuko and the lieutenant, I don't know that we ever learn his name, do we? I don't think so. Uh, they face off for a duel. Which is rad. Like yeah. the way that they get started. It's like they, they know how to do this. Yeah. This must be part of like the naval training. There's no like announcement of let's duel. They just like go up to each other. Like cross, cross arms. Wrists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you can see smoke rising from Zuko's arm. Like that's how angry he is that his whole body is like almost on fire. And Iroh steps in. He knows it's coming. So he splits them up. And he's like, we're just all really tired, you know, from travel. Like, let's just settle down. Well, he says, he says, 
let's just settle down and basically and he says if after, if we all have some noodles i think everyone will calm down which it might be the best wisdom of yeah. the entire series is like have some noodles yeah. you know have a bowl of ramen it's gonna make things better this week is about hangry characters yeah and i can relate because i am 90 percent of the time hangry <laughs> So now we, uh, so it seems like the crisis is mm-hmm. over and we go back to Anxious Aang. Anxious Aang is back with um, the gang and they're loading stuff onto the fishing ship. I don't remember what it was as the storm is starting to roll in on the horizon. And Aang tries without any success to convince Sokka to stay back. And the old woman goes, the boy with the tattoos has some sense. You should listen to him. And at that, the old man realizes that Aang is an airbender. I'm like, how did it take you this long? Is this the first time he looked at him? <laughs> right? Like, maybe. I mean, who be. knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, the guy seems like he's driven with his fishing business. But he <laughs> he says, I'll be a hog, hog monkey's uncle. Okay. This is the third hog monkey reference. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to start using it. Uh, and he, he's like, but don't be smiley about it, right? So he's unhappy that the Avatar is here. And he starts berating Aang for disappearing. For He says, turning your back on the world. And Katara steps in and uh, gets protective. And she yells back at the man. It was really bold. And mm-hmm. she defends Aang's character. She's like, he didn't mean to disappear, right? Like, she's trying to... She she knows Aang's character. And she's like, this is he's the best person I've ever met or right. something. Like it's it's pretty superlative what she says. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, but this old man, he's like the most crotchety person. Um, he's like, Well, I must have just imagined the last one hundred years of war and suffering. But the guy has a point because like his whole life was suffering. Like his whole life is I mean, we assume he's under a hundred years old. Like he was born into this. I'm so happy somebody said this. Yeah. Because it, it, what is cool is we've seen different reactions to the Avatar. And this one is, uh, I mean, this is the theme of this episode, but it's like you, if you're the same Avatar that was there 100 years ago, you abandoned us. This, what's happening in the world right now yeah. is a result of there not being someone to bring balance. I mean, that's, it, it's, I kind of like it. Like, it's, I feel for Aang, but it's like, I'm glad somebody's making that point because it seems like that's a point worth making. Yeah, yes, exactly. And there's going to probably be more like people who would side with that, who'd be like, you disappeared when we needed you most. I mean, isn't that like in the introduction, Mm -hmm, (laughs) right? mm -hmm. Um, So Katara goes like, Aang is the bravest person I know. And as she's defending him, as she's yelling at this guy, we see Aang start to sneak away. Um, So he and does he bring Momo with him? I think maybe. I don't know. Momo's kind of like evasive in, in this episode. I'm yeah. not sure where he goes, but um, maybe he's just hanging out with, with Roku. Roku yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and so Aang, um, he starts to fly away. Uh, on the glider. On the glider. Yep. So he's distraught over, obviously over what the fisherman said. And Katara runs to Appa. He's like resting in the water by the dock. It's pretty adorable. And she jumps on his back, says yip yip, and they go off and fly to try to search for Aang. And I loved this because... This reminds me of the good part of the dream at the beginning, where it's Katara flying on one of the... Oh, true. I mean, now she's on Momo in the dream, but it is just like, yeah, Katara can fly Aang, or can fly Appa too. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like it, it just, it reminded me of, like, the real world version of that, which oh, was yeah. kind of cool. I like that too. I didn't think of that. Um, so now we have what we assume is a commercial break, because Katara finds Op- or finds Aang, um, so she and Appa are flying by this, like, nearby mountain. I don't know how far they actually got. 
Um, it seems fairly close to the water. Right. Yeah. It is high up, though. It's mm-hmm. definitely like in a mountain range, mm-hmm. a small one. And we see Aang that's inside this old cave. There's like some stairs leading up to it. And so they stop and, and Katara runs up to him and Aang apologizes. And he's, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry for run, running away, but I'm not really ready to talk about it yet. And as we're going to learn, him apologizing for running away is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And Katara, Katara's intuition tells her, like, it's about his dream, right? So she's like, talk to me. You know, like, let me know. You can talk to me about it. I love Katara the therapist because that's what we have. Like, she's just – she's she knows that this is only going to get better if yeah. he – verbalizes it yeah and they they talk it she oh, says yeah. all the right things in mm-hmm. this episode and um appa walks in and he's drenched and he gets some pets from ang and um katara starts this fire and i think ang is like sitting with momo around it and he begins to tell this this long story he calls it his long story and it is <laughs> so we'll jump in uh and the story starts in the southern air temple and he's on this balcony and we have still like 12 year old ang but we know that this is from his past mm-hmm. right and he's playing with other kids other airbenders his age and they're all like bald, little bald monks with no tats he's the only one with tattoos which i thought was interesting as well i wonder what that means right me too because the, I mean, there were kids older and younger than him that didn't have tattoos. Mm-hmm. So why him? Because yeah. um, at this point, he doesn't know he's special. But maybe <laughs> it's maybe it has to do with passing certain tests because he's clearly mm. the best one of them at airbending. That's true because he's teaching them this air scooter trick. Like we've seen him do this many times and the kids are just in awe. They're all amazed. Um, well, and what I found interesting about it is one of them asks, like, who taught you that? And Aang says, well, I invented it. Right. And it's like, that's cool. Because that was one of the things I wondered about Katara. Like, are these things you can just, like, come up with? And I think Katara, some of what she's doing is just trying to figure stuff out on on her own. And that's clearly what Aang had reached a point where it wasn't just, I learned how to do this, but I came up with this. Yeah. yeah. And they're all, yeah, they're all in awe. They they can't master it like he, like he tries to show them. It's effortless for him. And as they're playing, um, gyatso, which I looked it up, gyatso is a term that is used uh, in reference to the Dalai Lama. I didn't know that. Oh, interesting, because that's going to be important in in a scene here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So gyatso and four other monks approach, and they all have tattoos like Aang. So yeah, I think you're right. It must be some like rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Um, And they ask Aang to come with him, and the tone is really serious. And so Aang enters inside of this temple, and there's like a panel of monks <laughs> mm-hmm. right like um and a council yeah, yeah. <laughs> jedi council kind of style i kind of yeah. felt like it honestly yeah. and um we hear him talking to them and he says like how do they know that he's the avatar so clearly they broke the news to him as that, i thought it was kind of interesting the way that they edited that so they don't you don't hear them tell him that but yeah. we all know that's what it was we yeah. just hear his reaction to right. it right yep um, and they said, we knew that you were an avatar since you were a child and you chose these four play objects from thousands of other toys. So I paused the screen. The four objects are a clay turtle, what looks like a propeller, uh, a wooden monkey, maybe a hog monkey. Yeah, I'm sure. Probably. And a hand drum. And uh, as I was watching this, I was talking to my husband and he was like, oh, yeah, that's I mean, that's a tradition that is in Buddhism. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's how that's one of the tests for the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Which um, is awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. 
So, so what's significant about choosing those objects? So the four objects um, are four avatar relics, they say. And they belong to past avatars. So they were like, you didn't just choose those because you thought they were fun. You choose them because you remembered them mm-hmm. from your past lives. See, I know this because years of years and years ago, there was an episode of King of the Hill where the same thing happens. And like, they think Bobby Hill might be the next Dalai <laughs> Lama. And they do. It's the same thing. Though. Like they lay out all these objects and like what you pick up. You know, that there are certain objects there that are of significance, but you couldn't tell what they were. I bet Mike knew because of that episode. <laughs> it could be. It's a good episode. <laughs> I'm going to watch it now. So um, Gyatso says, like, we wanted to wait until you were 16 years old, but there's these troubling signs out there. And then he references storm clouds and he says war might be upon us. And this is interesting because this goes back to the Southern Air Temple episode when we knew that. Gyatso was, he didn't want them to tell Aang. Right. And he said, you know, like, we shouldn't have told you this So young, young yeah. yeah. Um, it's so now too we're, much. we're filling in some of those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we go back onto Zuko's ship, and <laughs> there's, like, this little, uh, the crew members and the lieutenant are, like, sitting around a fire, like, throwing back a cold one and just complaining about Zuko. Mm-hmm. It's clearly not music night on the ship. <laughs> no, it's not. No fun is being had here. And Iroh walks in and overhears the lieutenant complaining about Zuko, and he kindly offers to explain some of Zuko's backstory. And he's like, my nephew is complicated. Let me tell you why he is. I got to say, at this point, I stood up and started running around the room. I was so excited because <laughs> because I knew we were going to learn this stuff. Right. I had no idea it was going to be this early. And here's what excites me about the fact that they played this card in episode 12. It means... If you do that, it means you know you have so much more good stuff coming yeah. that you don't need to hold on to this. Oh yeah, you can you can you can tell this story right now because mm-hmm. they could have waited. I like I would have waited as long as they wanted to to tell me the story they're about to tell me. So when Iroh st- sort of bellies up to the bar to talk, I'm like I'm like, so in. <laughs> got two and a half seasons left. Like yes, yeah. let's get this started. So we see the story as Iroh's talking about it, and there's young Zuko. And young Zuko has some differences to his appearance. First of all, he has no shaved head. Mm -hmm. He has like full head of hair with the little pony. But more importantly, he doesn't have a scar. So for a second, it it took me a second to be like, oh, that's Zuko, right? Like we know him. He's an attractive young guy. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And we like know him with the scar and here he is without it. And he's walking through the halls of the Fire Nation Palace, we assume. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, he gets to these big double doors and there are guards out in front of it and they won't let him pass in. We learn that this is the war chamber. And um, Iroh comes up and starts to comfort him and goes like, you're not missing anything. It's the war chamber. It's just a bunch of boring old people. And Zuko looks, I don't know, I thought he looked kind of hopeful, kind of happy. Like Mm -hmm. it's a lighter Zuko for sure. Oh, absolutely. And um, he was like, I really want to learn before I, at some point, become the Fire Lord. Like, I'm next. I'm I'm going to be the successor. So I need to learn some of the stuff going on in there. Yeah. And it's interesting. You I mean, you talk about him seeming hopeful or happy. Like, he doesn't have the the edge. The, the burden. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting how they did that. Mm-hmm. So Iroh's like, all right, I'll bring you inside. So he kind of is his escort. Um, but he's like, please 
you know, stay quiet. Don't stir up these old folks. You know how they are. Which is so interesting that he yielded to Zuko's desires. Because yeah. I just because I assumed that it would be like he was going to have to sneak in or something. But I was like, okay, if you want to go in there, let's we'll do it. Yeah. I mean, so which is which tells me something about how Iroh thinks about teaching and training his nephew. Even right. Then. And I'd say too, as somebody who watched this originally as like a seventeen-year-old, and now as somebody who has my own niece, like. Man, I I would do anything for my niece. Like it's like my own child, you know. Mm-hmm. So like I love Uncle Iroh. I like love Iroh as an uncle, like mm-hmm. willing to do anything for his for his nephew. Um, so we see inside the massive war chamber, and there's these tall ceilings. It's a stage. There's like a stage out front mm-hmm. and a throne that's on fire. <laughs> um, so I guess like the Fire Lord's just always on a fire throne, and. There's a table in the center with a large map over it. And we can assume it's kind of like war games, like mm-hmm. advisors talking about what they're going to be doing next um, and informing the Fire Lord. Yeah, I mean, it reminds you of like the Churchill War Rooms when they have the big map room, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. And so the There's general... a lot less fire in the Churchill War Rooms, but <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was once. And so the generals start proposing these plans of attack. And there's um, a disturbing thing that Zuko overhears. And they are essentially just disregarding human life in, in their discussion of sending Fire Nation soldiers in and sending them in as distractions. Um, and as they call it fresh meat for bait as mm-hmm. they go off and do another campaign somewhere else, right? So how much of this – so you and I took this World War One trip. How much of this felt like some of the World War One stuff where it's just like you have these – battalions these armies and it's just we're just gonna throw them at the enemy line like they're just numbers Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. which which is how that was fought and and that's kind of what we're hearing here oh yeah and you see like idealistic young zuko taking this in Mm -hmm. and the whole i mean the whole concept of like war games itself it's like it's not real people you Mm -hmm. know like we don't think of it or like they're not discussing it as if these are human beings they're pawns of the state right and so zuko stands up and he's outraged and he defends the Fire Nation soldiers as people who who love their nation. And he's like, how can you betray them? And I love Zuko at this point. I know. I was, like, really proud. I know he's not supposed to talk up, but good one, Zuko. And so um, Iroh, we go back to Iroh talking to the crew members. And he was like, Zuko was right. But speaking out was going to bring a lot of dire consequences for him. Um, so now we go back to Aang and Katara. And we, we learn a little bit more about Aang's story. Um, Katara was like, so So you were upset that you were the Avatar, which I think Aang has mentioned here and mm-hmm. there. Oh, it was on the previously on. <laughs> yeah, 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 there yeah, you go. saying, you know, why he didn't, you know, why he didn't tell her because he didn't want to be. Right. Yeah. And Aang was like, it's not so much that I was upset. I just didn't know how to feel. Right. Like he's 12. And he was like, everything began to change immediately. So there is Again, some resentment. This is great therapist uh, Katara. Like, oh, so you so you didn't want to be? Tell me more about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's digging for. But we're getting like we're getting like the real. Ang is somebody who doesn't who holds stuff back. But this is this is a moment when she's unlocked him a little bit. Yeah, he's yeah. being vulnerable. Um, so we go back to the flashback, and Ang is on the balcony just like before, and. Um, he's like, oh, you guys, you all learned the air scooter. Great. But they don't want to play with him. And they don't want to play with him because they say that he has an unfair advantage as the Avatar. So no matter what game they'll play, he's always going to win. Yeah. They, they wouldn't let poor Aang play in any reindeer games at this <laughs> point. No, it, But it really is like it's, it's the exclusion of the – I mean, it's like the kid who – 
you know, uh, if you have a, if you have a child who has like a genius IQ, you don't tell the child because then that's the kind of thing that if people know that, then it like separates them and people yeah. don't want. You know, I mean, like it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially at that age, at like the age of a twelve year old. Yeah, um, so we. We cut then to um, Angsty Ang, and he's playing with the only person left who wants to play with him, who's Gyatso. And they're playing? Pai Show. Oh, we're back. Again, This is I can't wait to learn more about this. I know. Me too. I didn't realize that they played it. So um, so Aang is just kind of, he looks bummed, and Gyatso wants to like lighten the mood a little bit. So Aang absentmindedly moves this piece, and Gyatso playfully airbends it. He like airbends um, Aang's hood over his eyes and then moves the pieces and like cheats, but very obviously. And the tile that he moves is the lotus tile. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. I was so happy when I saw that. I'd like pause and go back. So it's the lotus tile that Gyatso uses and cheats with. And Aang is like laughing. He, like this is the fun that he wants. Uh, but as they're laughing, they're interrupted by one of the other monks. And I don't know his name, but he is a grump. So mm-hmm. we, the grumpy monk. And he's like, Ing has to train. I have some intense training for him to do. This thing sounds, sounds amazing. And Gyatso responds with, uh, as long as I'm his guardian, I will decide when he trains and when he gets his butt kicked at Paisho. So he's feeling defensive of Ing. So this also makes me wonder about airbender culture. And mm. I don't know if we're going to learn a lot more. But why is Gyatso Aang's guardian? Right. It appears every airbender we see is male. Right. Yeah. At the temple. Yeah. Where are his parents? Yeah. How does procreation work in the in the airbender or the air tribe nation? Yeah. Whatever. Like, uh, are there air air nation villages? Yeah. Other places. Like, yeah. I'm just really curious because the show conveniently like has all of them gone except for Aang and then all we ever see are these temples and I'm willing to believe that air that that the people from the air tribe who are not necessarily all airbenders like if someone maybe is identified as an airbender they go to live at these temples I'm I'm happy to believe that but like mm-hmm. are there where are the women right. cuz we definitely see that women can be waterbenders Yeah Have we seen female earthbenders yet I'm trying to remember Um I don't think so. And we haven't seen female firebenders either. But right. we just haven't seen female fire nation at all either. Right. So, yeah. 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 Those are – that's interesting. I'm curious if – I almost wish that we could just go back and, like, look at a previous avatar from from the airbenders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just to see what that's like. Um, so, we end with the pie show game with Aang and we go back to Zuko's story as Iroh is telling it. And he says that the Fire Lord, Fire Lord Ozai, was angry at Zuko's disrespect uh, against the general. And the only way to resolve that is uh, Agni Kai. Is that how you mm-hmm, say it? Mm-hmm. Which is a fire duel. And we've seen one of these already. Yes, we have. Um, yes. That was, uh, with Zhao. Yeah. Yeah. So Iroh said that Zuko looked at the general he insulted and he was like, oh, I'm not afraid. Like, I can take him. So, so. Apparently, Zuko at this point already has quite a bit of firebending mm-hmm. skill. And um, yet, what he didn't know was that he wasn't going to face that general. He was going to face someone else. So in the flashback, we have this huge stage in a stadium. It looks, yeah, like people in the stands mm-hmm. overlooking. Um, crowds watching the duel. And both components are, fa- or both um, opponents are facing opposite directions. And as Zuko turns around, he realizes the person he's facing is his own father, Fire Lord Ozai. 
And that was who had disrespected him or who he had disrespected in the in the war chamber by disrespecting the general. He mm. had disrespected his father. So now we're getting a lot of big father son stuff. And, and uh, we like to point back to other stories. But like every, like this is everything right. Like, I mean, this is this is Oedipal in a kind of way. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, father mm-hmm. versus son. So I'm I was excited to see like like, OK, wait. Even within this episode, like, where is this going to go? Because this is fascinating. Because we also have, and this was on previously, but I didn't need it because I remembered it. <laughs> you know, when, when Iroh says, remember the last time you faced a master. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is it. Yikes. Yep, this is it. So, um, but they leave us there, oh, like they do in this episode. And we go back to Aang, who's continuing his story. He's stroking Momo, who's laying on his lap, his little emotional support animal. And Gyatse and this grumpy monk, um, they're appealing to what I wrote as the head monk, maybe like an abbot, mm-hmm. like a Buddhist abbot. That works. Yeah. Sure. I don't know that that's the official nomenclature, but no. it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So um, head monk, abbot. And Gyatse says, Aang needs to have freedom and fun, which are two things that I think I always associate with Aang's character. Mm-hmm. Like he is free and fun. Aang brought us fun, right? Yeah. And he says, like, he needs to essentially just be a normal kid. Which is interesting because that is what Aang was trying in episode two. uh, The end of episode one, Aang is trying to convince Katara. Remember, he says, you're still a kid, too. Yeah. You know, like, she said, I hadn't done, when they were penguin sliding, I hadn't done this since I was a kid. And he's like, you're still a kid. Yeah. So so this is Gyatso's uh, impact on Aang. Oh, yeah. And as we'll learn, like, those 100 years... That doesn't feel like anything to him. And mm-hmm. so those words are probably echoing very closely mm-hmm. in his mind Absolutely. as one of his most recent memories. So um, the the grumpy monk says, like, you can't protect him from his destiny. And so the abbot decides um, he, he's like weighing both options. And he decides that Gyatso's love for Aang is clouding his judgment. And he says, what we need is what's best for the world. You and Aang have to be separated. Which is heart-wrenching to hear. Oh. But but it is interesting that it's framed around like we actually don't want what's best for the child. We right. want what's best for the world. Right. He is uh, – and this is, this is I think a theme that we're going to see coming out here is like Aang is a person but Aang is also an idea. Aang is also – A tool, a, tool, a weapon. A weapon. Yep. These are all words I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. I, I, we talked last week about – I think it was last week about the potential of Aang as the ring of power. Right. And it's like they're sort of talking about him that way, that this isn't about him. He actually, he might lose some personhood in mm-hmm. being, like some individual personhood in being the Avatar. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about, too, like Harry Potter and, and how Dumbledore kind of used him, too, and mm-hmm. knew the whole time. But because he was so young, they didn't tell Harry, right? Mm-hmm. That's what this felt like to me, too. So uh, we see Aang had overheard this entire conversation. He knows he's going to be sent to the Eastern Air Temple to be separated from Gyatso. Nobody wants to go to the Eastern no, Temple. No, man, not those guys. So um, Aang overhears and he's horrified. So back in the in the cave, Katara, therapist Katara tries to comfort Aang. And he stands up and he yells. So now, like, <laughs> therapist Katara has made it. This is her moment, mm-hmm. right? Like, he has emotion we've never seen before. And he goes and runs up to, like, a wall and just starts screaming. Um, and he's like, how could they do that to me? They wanted to take me away from everything I knew and everything I loved. And um, so he lets it all out. And doesn't he, like, it's like he almost goes into Avatar state Almost, here. yeah. Yeah, like, like, don't we start to see the, like, his eyes yeah, start and to like, go? Yeah, his body shaking. Mm-hmm. And I love this, too, because I think it validates uh, 
an emotional response that we don't really have in Western culture of when you are angry, expressing it Mm -hmm. instead of locking it down. And like, obviously therapy is what's supposed to help you get there. Mm -hmm. But I think that's an important lesson for children to learn too. Like it's okay to go run in your room and scream, you know, and Mm -hmm. like it actually is really therapeutic. It's helpful. Right. So I like this idea that this is like goodwill ang. It's like (laughs) (laughs) good ang hunting. I don't know how we we would call it, but but there is an element of that. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So so uh, he runs away uh, and he uh, at the wall and he's yelling and then he he cools down and he apologizes and he sits back at the fire. He joins his family at the fire. Right. And he explains that he he wasn't actually sent away at all. So um, we go back to his his uh, flashback and he's watching the kids play from the balcony again, this time even farther removed from other kids mm-hmm. inside a tower. And he's sad and he's confused. And we see like a lapse of a day, a time lapse of a day. And Gyatso comes to see him at night and he knocks on the door and he doesn't hear anything. So he says to the door, like, I won't let the other monks separate us, Aang. It's all going to be okay. And But Gyatso pushes through the door. It's open. And he sees an empty room and a scroll left on the bed. And we don't ever see what's in the scroll, right? No. But it's obviously like a, I'm, yeah. you know, I, yes. I'm running away. Now, this actually interested me because um, in the 1980s, I feel like running away from home was like a big trope in lots of like, children's stories Mm. or like melodramas about families um did you feel like you grew up with a running away from home like i feel like like anybody my age any like gen xer if you didn't run away from home you definitely (laughs) thought through it a lot and i don't know is that like a human thing or is that just my generation no no me too okay yeah that was a thing of the 90s being young too (laughs) 100 percent. yeah um (laughs) and so ang runs away and he says he narrates it. I've never, I never saw Gyatso again. Right. Um, so we see him flying over the ocean on Appa, and this is when the storm starts to come. And so this is that nightmare scene from before with the lightning and the drowning. And he's explaining it to Katara. And he says, I ran away and the Fire Nation attacked the temple. So he ran away and genocide occurred. And he said, My people and the world needed me, and I wasn't there to help. The fisherman was right. Right. Yeah. So he he realizes what he heard was true. And this is the guilt that he carries. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we haven't we haven't heard him express that. But this darkness has been behind him this whole time. And it's not like it never it's not like it hasn't occurred to him through the first uh, 11 episodes. But like this is the stuff that's bottled up. Oh, yeah. I mean, he never saw Gyatso again until he saw mm-hmm. him at the Southern Temple. Like that yeah. is brutal. Yep. Um, so it puts a different light on the the moment when he goes into the Avatar state uh, mm-hmm. at the the site of G- where Gyatso died. Like, oh, absolutely, because we just thought he was angry that this happened, but he's actually angry imparted himself yeah. for allowing this to happen, thinking he could have prevented it mm-hmm. somehow. Which is one of those like again classic things about like like people uh, haunted by regret. When something mm. bad happens, but what if I had done this? What if I had chosen this instead? What if I, you know, and that's the kind of thing that you can endlessly like beat yourself up over. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like this episode is a lot about therapy and oh, about I- like like thinking about those things. Yeah. Because yeah, then you have Katara coming in and, sh- and, and basically working through some of that with him. Mm-hmm. And she's like trying to shoulder some of that 
that thought process. She might as well be hugging him like in Goodwill Hunting and saying, it's not your fault. <laughs> right. It's not your fault. That's what she's doing. Yeah. Right. So she's like, even if you did run away, I think it was meant to be. You would have been killed. And the world needs you now. You give people hope. Right. I mean, in some ways, she's reminding him of his destiny because Roku actually was was sort of telling, was almost telling him like, it's good that you're here now. Right. Because the, t- the time is now. This is when we need you. Right. You know, so it's it's almost reminding him of like, remember, you're on your you're on your mission in your destiny. You were your destiny was to be here now. Right. And there's no. Yeah, there's no reason to dwell on the past like we he's talked about before. Right. Mm-hmm. And to consider all the what ifs. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is what's happening. And so um, after Katara comforts him, Aang's, Aang's mood lifts. Momo runs over. They cuddle. You know, He starts to feel a little bit better. And then we go back to Iroh. And he's talking about this this Agni Kai. This moment is so good. So I, uh, Iroh says Zuko begged for mercy. He didn't want to fight his dad, right? So he, mm-hmm. he gets on all hands and knees like and, and pleads for his father. But what's cool about this is that my impression is he's not doing that because he's afraid. Mm. He's doing it because he doesn't want to fight his father he loves his father right it's not it's not a oh no i'm fighting somebody way more powerful than me which he probably is right but it's but but because he is that brave that he would just fight but but instead he's saying like i'm not going to attack you i am i mean it's it's a weird like like peaceful version of zuko yeah and that makes what his father does even more devastating it's just that it's out of his love and he goes i'm your loyal son right and um Fire Lord Ozai speaks and he says, you will fight for your honor. And he speaks for the first time. And that's important because who is Fire Lord Ozai? Oh, don't you want to reveal this? No, it's your thing. It's, you, you, yeah. It's your thing. It's Mark Hamill. So, ah! so we've been making all of these like Star Wars references. And then the show itself makes a fascinating Star Wars reference because Mark Hamill plays... Ozai plays the big bad, right? Yeah. Which is interesting because Star Wars is, at its core, is this father-son story. Oh, yeah. When you were saying before father-son, oh, first thing that should come to mind is Star Wars, yeah. right? But now you have the iconic person who plays Luke Skywalker yeah. now playing the father, the the uh, dark father or Darth Vader, if you will. So can I can I ask you... That's genius. Can I ask you, um, did you know based on his voice? No, but I did know Mark Hamill was in you Avatar. Did. Yeah. did you look it up? Oh, you it just it you No, know, it shows up like when you pull up the IMDb. Sure. Like, his face is the only one that's like, oh, I know Mark Hamill. I didn't know who he played. Uh, I didn't know this was him. But then I then I had to go back and look it up. Because Mark Hamill's actually a very accomplished voice actor. Yeah, he's done so, a ton. Yeah. So, I mean, I think most famously, some people consider him the, the best uh, Joker he plays the Joker oh. in the Batman animated series. No way. Um, so I don't think this is necessarily just like Mark Hamill using his regular 20-year-old Luke Skywalker sure. voice. So I wouldn't recognize him in that way. But <laughs> Yeah, I guess Fire Lord Ozai doesn't sound like a whiny Luke. Right. So. <laughs> I wish he did, kind of. Um, fascinating, though. I was so happy. I wanted to reveal it to you, but mm, it's fine. You figured it out. So... Um, Fire Lord Ozai, Mark Hamill, says, rise and fight Prince Zuko. So he doesn't even refer to him as, like, son. He's, like, mm-hmm. Prince Zuko by his title. So it's really cold. Um, 
And Zuko refuses and he starts to cry even. Like he's a young boy, right? He's like 14 or something at this point. And um, and Iroh, we see a shot of Iroh standing in the crowd and he has to look away. Because what's interesting here is this is not just Iroh's nephew. This is Iroh's brother too. Yeah. Like he looks away because he knows his brother. Yeah. And, yep, exactly. And we we hear him say that before too. He's like, I know, I know your father, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we, we hear Zuko's father say, you'll learn respect and suffering will be your teacher. Which is a badass line to say. It is, but it, oh, it's like, gives me chills because it's so creepy. Right. Suffering will be your teacher. And we hear, we hear like a stream of fire. We don't actually see it happen, but we hear Zuko scream as well. Um, so we learn that refusing to fight had its own consequences. And Iroh says that. Um, like Ozai found what he did to be shameful. And so not only does he blast his son with fire, but he also banishes him and gives him this seemingly impossible task of capturing the avatar Mm -hmm. to regain his honor. And we know that Ozai at one point sought the avatar Mm. because, because Zuko, I, I don't know if it's Iroh who says this to him or Zhang, but somebody says, uh, your grandfather tried and failed. Your father tried and failed. Mm-hmm. So we know that the mission he's giving him is a mission he himself has been on. Right. Which is fascinating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the lieutenant hearing the story, he was like, I didn't know that that's where the scar came from. I thought it was just from like some accident, right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know it was from Fire Lord Ozai. Um and so he starts to empathize with Zuko and he says, capturing the avatar is the only way to return things back to, you know, what, at least what Zuko deems as normal and gain back his honor. And uh, Iroh responds with things will never be back to normal. Uh, but I love how it ends when he goes, the avatar gives Zuko hope. This is, again, like, Aang, what? As, Aang as figure of hope, but Aang as ring of power, too. It's like, yeah. like there, there's going to be a struggle over... Aang, and potentially a struggle between the Katara Sakas of the world, mm-hmm. between Zuko and between Ozai, that all of them are are going to be vying for him, presumably. Right. So good. So we just come off of this heart-wrenching scene, and we see Zuko, and this is gutting as well. He's sitting in his room in the ship and, um, and just remembering childhood scenes. We kind of see it in sapia tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he's remembering, lightning strikes the ship from the storm. Um, so it's just a brief scene. And and we switch then back to the cave with Katara and Aang. And they hear <laughs> the old woman from before stumbling into the cave. And I was like, hmm, how would she get up there? But Has you she know. spent this whole time climbing? <laughs> she climbed a mountain. <laughs> that woman is determined. A mountain in a storm. But, you know, whatever. She made it there. And uh, there's steps. I did check. So... Uh, she was like, oh, my, my husband, please help me. My husband and Sokka haven't returned and their ship is out at sea and the storm is quickly turning into a typhoon. And so <laughs> then is one of the funniest lines, I think, this episode. Aang goes, I'm going to go find him. And Katara said, I'm going with you. And then the old woman said, I'm staying here. <laughs> and like sits down and crosses her arms. It's, Good intuition. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and then, this will be echoed by uh, there's another funny line coming from her husband soon. Oh, yes. I love that one. I like actually burst out laughing. So then we go back to Zuko's ship and the storm is raging on and the ship is like rocking in the waves. 
And Zuko and Iroh and the lieutenant are trying to search for where the lightning struck. And they see this helmsman who's hanging out from like a broken piece of the helm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like the railing kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. Far, far above, dangling above the ship. I don't know, ship. I don't know, ships. Anyway, Zuko and the lieutenant climb the ladder, this ladder up to, to save the helmsman together. And this shot was uh very reminiscent of a shot from Karate Kid 2. Oh, I uh, seen when it. they're in uh they're in Okinawa and there's a typhoon, there's this huge storm and uh Daniel has to he's climbing this ladder to save this girl who's hanging up on this bell tower and again, it's probably not a reference to it, but I'm like, "Oh, that's exactly the same shot." <laughs> it looks a lot like it. Um so they go they climb the the la- uh, ladder together and Iro does the sickest move that we've seen, I think, any Fire Nation person do, where lightning strikes, he anticipates it striking, and he, like, lightning bends? He, like, redirects the lightning through his body from one arm to the other and, like, shoots it out so that it misses the ship. It is dope. Like, have we seen lightning bending? No. And, and like, yeah, it was one of those where after it happened, I just had to pause and be like, let's watch that again. Right. And he does it so nonchalant. It's like, all right. Like, almost yeah. like a dance. Like, it just redirects. It's why I love when you encounter, like, the truly powerful people. Yes. Like, they're so much more remarkable than somebody who can, like, lift rocks up or, yeah. you know, splash water around. Like, you even know? putting Aang to shame a yeah. lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Zuko and the lieutenant, they have this like tender moment of reconciliation up on the ladder because they both are able to save the helmsman mm-hmm. um, before he drops. Which um, I will say in Karate Kid 2, when they save the girl, that that is actually one of the moments that, that cures an old... Uh, like a grudge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, so now we're back with Aang and Katara and they're flying above Appa. We don't know where Momo went at this point, but he's somewhere. And... Uh, as they're flying, searching for the ship, there's this massive wave that's about to overtake Appa. Uh, but Aang becomes determined. And he first lets you see, like, fear cross over him. Uh, but he's like, no, we're going to go through. So he airbends them through it. I don't remember how exactly. Just, it's like he creates a... Like a funnel. Like a shield kind of yeah. thing in front of them. And they bur- it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, what, what I liked about it is, and we've seen this before, it was, again, the kind of the um symbiosis of Aang and Appa mm-hmm. like they needed they both, they both need to be there to do that move yep and they both like could tell that the other one was going to do it mm-hmm. um so Appa approaches the fishing boat they find it um and we see that Zuko sees them from his ship so now we have everybody in one area together um except for finally <laughs> right yeah. it doesn't ever happen yeah um so uh, they ask, like, Zuko, what do we do? That's the Avatar. And Zuko considers it and he says, like, we got to go. We have to let them go. We need to get this ship to safety. And So what's interesting about this is this moment shows us that Zuko is not as single-minded mm-hmm. as um, people are going to want to see, going to want to think sometimes. Because this is actually the second time this has happened mm. where we see Zuko doing something he sees across the sky, Appa, or and what he thinks is the Avatar. Yeah. And he chooses the other. Here he's choosing to sit to save the the crew. The other time he chooses to save Iroh. Mm-hmm. If you remember back in the Winter yeah. Solstice, so like, so this is uh, this is um, showing that Zuko actually he seems single minded towards the Avatar, but right he he does have these other 
there are other things in which makes me wonder what are are there other things that he would um pass on capturing the avatar for like what are the other things sure. that he cares that much about yeah and that the words of the lieutenant earlier were too harsh mm-hmm. right like he doesn't only just think about himself mm-hmm. um and so uh iroh at this he realizes he has kind of like zuko's permission he goes along with zuko and he's like all right let's get to the eye of the storm that's where we'll be safe um so now we flash over to sokka and the fishermen and they're on the boat and um sokka screams out like i'm too young to die and then the fisherman goes I'm not, but I still don't want to. And I like burst out. I, that was so funny to me. This reminds me of the uh, um, canyon guide in the last episode talking about oh. how he's not going to die here. doesn't want to be part of the food chain. <laughs> really funny. Like it's a scary moment, but it's funny. Um, Which is actually interesting because as you pointed out, both of those would be people who have lived their whole lives in war and suffering but you know what? They still don't embrace death. Oh, yeah. And they're like, come on. I made it through everything else. I'm not going to die this way. Right. And uh, so Appa hovers up above the boat and Aang is able to jump down onto it. And he ties ropes and secures them around both Sokka and the fo- uh, fisherman. And um, Appa like does this thing where he kind of like flings the rope and they fly up onto his saddle, I guess what we could call it. And um, Sokka and the fishermen exchange some kind of like embarrassed faces. They have like little red, Mm -hmm. like cutesy little um, blushes on their face. And um, as they're having this moment, like we're all together, we're safe. A massive wave, even bigger than before, uh, comes up behind them. And before Aang is able to, uh, to airbend, it overtakes them. And they all end up underwater. And this is like literally Aang's worst nightmare coming true. Mm -hmm. And so um, underwater, Aang opens his eyes and he sees his friends. They're all clinging on as best they can to Appa. And he goes into the Avatar state. And we've seen him go into the Avatar state in the water before. Right. And so instead of preserving himself like he did before, instead he uses that state to shoot everybody up out of the water and out into the eye of the storm. So we have Zuko on the ship. We see him apologize to his uncle um, and as he's doing so, we also see Zuko watch as Appa blasts out through the waves and into the eye of the storm. They're all in the eye of the storm together. And Zuko and Aang make this moment of eye contact. I love this. I loved seeing this. It's just a great shot of like them. It's just, just like acknowledging each other and like we will see each other again. Yeah. And there's like the storm behind them, but they're in this like clear. The calm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's really it's actually like very pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, And so. Um, Appa flies up through the storm. They go back to the cave. The fisherman's reunited with his wife and they're like considering how to repay Aang for what he's done. And another moment, they offer him a free fish and Aang's like, oh, actually, you know, I don't I don't eat meat. And <laughs> the fisherman goes, fish ain't meat. And I have literally had this conversation before <laughs> as a vegetarian. So <laughs> I felt um, justified. You felt I felt seen. seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, Aang. Um, and and he goes up to Katara, his his therapist for the episode, and he's like, Katara, you were right. I'm done dwelling in the past. I can't make guesses about how things would have turned out. I'm here now, and I'm going to make the most of it. So this made me think of, we can't concern ourselves with what was. We must act on what is. That's the Gyatso from, yeah. the, uh, from the Southern Air Temple. And, like, again, I... I, I when he said that, I was like, that's going to be the mission statement for the, the whole show. And I yep. feel like I still feel like it's going to be. Yeah. It, continue, it continues to be. And it's yeah. And it's bittersweet. 
I, it's, man, I just wish Gyatso was alive, you know? I also wish someone could tell Zuko that. Yeah. 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 You know. Me too. I feel like maybe Iroh is subtly telling him that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but that's the lesson he needs to learn still. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, this grumpy fisherman, he's now grateful to Aang. He's, um, like they kind of have a moment of reconciliation over yelling at him earlier. And he's like, I wouldn't be here if you weren't here. And so the rain lets up and the crew looks out over the calm sea together. And we end with Appa shaking off a bunch of water and Momo's back somehow. Um, and, and that's the end of the episode. And it's like that moment of calm at the end was very earned. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but they still need food. Yeah. True. Yeah. They have like one fish. Right. Which, <laughs> which two of them will eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so do you have big themes or observations from My, this episode? I mean, I like how in this series, even shots, even like certain angles, of Aang, when they transition from Aang to um, Zuko, that's similar. Like mm-hmm. similar scenes, similar story. Yeah. Like these two are clearly connected by so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that whenever we get the stories told in, par- in parallel and it's it's those two are, and this is not the first time and I'm certain it's not the last time we'll see mm-hmm. this. Um, uh, and we get to see why they're both exiles. Yeah. I mean, neither of them are home. Neither of them are allowed to be home. Yeah. You know, and for their, it's not the same reasons but their lives are intertwined. And, and they, and, yeah. yeah, they both feel guilt of that too. They're both living in the guilt of not being able to go back home. Uh, another thing that I that I really loved, and we talked a little bit about this, was the sort of Zuko versus Ozai, mm. you know, so the the loose, the loose Luke-facing Vader kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and the fact that Mark Hamill's in both of those, but in different roles. Uh, and what I also think is interesting is that we talked about Zuko isn't defeated Mm. So that doesn't come from him being defeated by Ozai. We actually don't know what would happen if he faced Ozai. Right. Um, uh, it's him refusing to fight. Right. So, I mean, this this leads to the question, you know, will Zuko face off against Ozai again? Almost certainly. <laughs> right. Like, like, like this is just that there, there, there will be another time when they meet. But that doesn't mean he will choose to fight him then either. Yeah. Like, we don't know that. We don't know yeah. what his feelings are towards his father right so there's a lot of kylo ren vibes to zuko we talked Mm. about this before but i feel like that seems like the character that i that he seems most closely related to because he seems simultaneously like he's the villain Mm. but at the same time if you told me that he's this figure who gets redeemed in this in this show and in some ways he's as central of a character as anybody else because of his redemption, I would buy that. I would also buy that he becomes the Fire Lord. And like, like I, there, I, I, I could take him in any direction, which right. is why I think he's one of the, the richest characters. Oh, I agree. Uh, and I do think, you know, there is, uh, I think this, this other big theme of what Aang's life would have looked like had he not run away. Mm. You know, does, does he st- still feel like he has blood on his hands? Now, it's one thing, you know, he... He had this sort of breakthrough, but the breakthroughs it's like that day. last, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, and this is this is going to be a day by day thing for him. I think when you're dealing with all of your people gone, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. And then I think it closes as we talked about. They're back at the water, mm. so that means we've been through this long stretch of Earth Kingdom. Uh, so where do we go from here? So right. we're going into episodes uh, uh, thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So like. We're getting close to the end of this season now. 
um, or, or really are in the back half. And presumably they could go anywhere from here. Right. Um, so is it going to be over the water towards more Earth Kingdom? Is it going to be needing to go through via around Fire Nation? Is it going to be over the water? Is it going to be the North Pole? These are things we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we have um, completed a particular gambit they were on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm so excited. Well, Andy, this was such a great episode. Um, I we learned so much. Yes. Yeah, we did. And uh, again, the fact that they did this now means they they know what they have and they know that this that they can play these cards without have, without giving up the story. And in fact, maybe they need to play these so they can make the story richer, which excites me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can hear my voice, you should uh, give us an email at uh, channel3900 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, your experience with the show. We'd love to have you on an episode to talk about your experience with the show. Um, we will be back next week to talk about episodes 13 and 14. I don't even know their titles. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't wait. I cannot wait to watch them. We will catch you next week on Avatar with Academics. 